James O'Keefe is at it again. Project Veritas just released a new video of a Pfizer employee talking about the mutation of viruses. We'll talk about that. And then we'll look at the Tyreen Nichols footage that was just released, that young Memphis black man that was lynched by five black officers. And we'll look at the BLM narrative, given the facts of this case. And we'll see that though there were not fiery but mostly peaceful protests this time, the BLM narrative definitely went down in flames. And then we'll look at the footage of the Paul Pelosi attack and ask the question, was it really a MAGA extremist or is there something more to the story? We'll talk about that and more today on Indie Thinker. Today's show is sponsored by our friends over at Element Home Loans. Now, I know there's a bunch of different businesses out there where you can go get pre-approved for a home, but when you're making the biggest purchase that you'll probably make in your life, you need to make sure that you not only go with experts, but that you go with people you can trust. There's all sorts of tricks in the industry that are just attempts to try to lure you into a high interest rate, or just simply in giving your money to an organization that doesn't deserve it. So there's no tricks with Element Home Loans. They're not going to try to lure you in with a low interest rate that you don't actually qualify for. And then there's also not going to be any surprises down the road. They're going to get all your information up front, pre-approve you so that you can have the freedom to go and purchase a home. There's nothing worse than finally finding that dream home and realizing that you don't actually qualify for that home after all, but you don't get any of that with Element Home Loans. But To know that for sure, you need to go check them out. You need to go to kbmtg.com today. And when you do so, let them know that Andy Thinker sent you. Welcome to the show. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. We are all familiar at this point in time with the idea of self-censorship. Now, there's some pros to self-censorship. We should make sure that we're communicating in a way that is effective, and we should censor ourselves that way. But but also self-censorship in the sense that we are now reluctant and afraid to share the truth is obviously a blight upon society. We are all familiar with the conversations that we get into from time to time with a person, whether we know them or not. And then when we start to hear what they really think and we realize that they have nothing more than ad hominem attacks and irrational garbage as a position, and we get that sinking suspicion that we're going to have to let them down ever so gently and let them know that their thoughts are dumpster fires on top of dumpster fires. But then the very next feeling from for many people is, I'm not sure if I should tell the truth because it will damage the relationship. Now that in and of itself is a peculiar thing. Telling somebody the truth could actually damage the relationship rather than make it healthy. This is as a result, most definitely, of postmodernism. Now, postmodernism says that it questions norms, and if it had stayed there, that would be fine. In fact, that could be noble. But like most noble lies, postmodernism is flowery language that covers a sadistic agenda. We're told that postmodernism rejects the status quo, but it does go a little bit deeper, and it actually ends up questioning all rules and all authority, and they wish to reject all truth. They say my truth and your truth, but never the truth. Postmodernism rejects truth, actually, as a neocolonial power game meant to oppress and marginalize people. And so postmodernism wants to resist the truth at all costs. And make no mistake, the churches that should be resisting this and shouting the truth from the rooftops are actually infested with this kind of postmodern garbage. And this was on display just recently, just last week, actually, in a clip of Andy Stanley preaching about homosexuality. So you can check that out here. A gay person, when I say gay, men and women, okay, 
a gay person who still wants to attend church after the way the church has treated the gay community, I'm telling you, they have more faith than I do. They have more faith than a lot of you. A gay person who knows, you know what? I might not be accepted here, but I'm gonna try it anyway. Have you ever done that as a straight person? Be aware that whenever anyone speaks the way you just heard Andy Stanley speak, speaking about people groove with large, broad brush strokes and speaking about them in generalized terms, that actually they are intending to lie. They are intending to try to fabricate things. So whenever somebody says, oh, black people this, um, that this is all an attempt to obscure reality and to try to give a generalized sense of authority to something that actually you cannot be that authoritative on because there is no such thing as all black people. This is the idea that like all black people love fried chicken and, and watermelon. In fact, it's kind of a racist thing to assume that all black people are all the same anymore than all white people love tuna casserole and love wearing loafers. These kind of generalized terms, again, try to give a sense of authority so that we won't push against the ideas being presented, but they are always an attempt to really, truly obscure the truth. And so Andy Stanley here speaking about all homosexuals as though all homosexuals are the kind of quintessential example of what a servant should look like. Really like all of them, even like this. All right, tip number two. Now this should go without saying, but unfortunately today it doesn't all the time. If your pastor has less faith in a person in active rebellion to the word of God, then you probably need a new pastor and you probably need a new church. Now, tip number three, um, you need to find a Christian leader who understands the difference between sympathy and, and, and truth. Uh, a pastor who understands the difference between sentimentality and being honest with people. See, there is no distinction between being truthful and being loving, unless the way you're telling the truth is mean-spirited. But one of the greatest acts of compassion that you can actually participate in is telling people the truth. Here Stanley is willing to obscure and to lie for the sake of gaining brownie points with, with people, like I already mentioned, in active rebellion to the Word of God. Stanley says a gay person that still wants to attend church after all that the church has done to them is in some way commendable. So quick question, what exactly has the church done to them? See, as edgy and as real as Stanley thinks he's being right now, what he's doing is what the church has been doing for a generation. They sit on their little stools, they put their cardigans on, and they give you a TED Talk, and then they tiptoe around the truth and call that thoughtfulness while they condemn Christians for being too condemning. See the problem there? All while never venturing to come within a mile of the real job of a Christian pastor. Stanley fails to see that he totally missed an opportunity to actually love people by telling them the truth about what the Bible actually says about homosexuality. See, even people who disagree can at least honor somebody who's willing to be honest. See, because loving people and telling them the truth at this time, where the social cost is higher than ever before, is actually a sign to people that you care enough about them to tell them the truth. And besides, True love at the end of the day is willing the good of the other. Lying to people is never willing their good. Telling them the honest truth is the way that you truly show you care about their good. So let's address this supposed reputation the church has earned because of its dark past of judgmentalism, hypocrisy, and finger pointing. 
This is almost an entire, entirely an invention of people who hate Christians and Christianity. That simple-minded pastors like Stanley believe without even testing. The real story of the church, but the one you rarely ever hear, and unfortunately rarely ever hear from big pastors like Stanley, um, simply because the media is controlled by leftists, sounds very little like what Stanley is saying, and it actually sounds way more like this real story here. Got pregnant while attending a very conservative Christian college, and here's what happened. Let me give you a second to process what I just said. To give you some context, I was playing basketball there on a full ride scholarship and was at the very end of my sophomore year. To be honest, I feared judgment from the college and God's people, and I contemplated abortion. Thankfully, I did not show up to my appointment that day, which is a topic for another time, but I had to face my coach and the people that worked there in the higher up places. I went to them and said, honestly, here's what happens and here's where I'm at now. And I did not receive the reaction that I thought I was going to receive. They were immediately kind and gracious and were so excited for me to have a child. And they said they would do whatever they could to help me graduate. Because as you may know, it is nearly impossible to transfer private units to any sort of public school. So they wished me well on my way and I moved back home with my mom. I had my beautiful daughter. On my very first Mother's Day as a mom, my coach called me up. And he said, we have a spot on the team and we have some scholarship money. Want to play? But let's get it straight. The mainstream narrative about Christianity is controlled by people who hate Christians and Christianity. And when pastors start preaching it, it sounds a little weird. When they start believing these lies, it's, it, it makes you wonder why. And then that natural impulse, according to people like Stanley, is that you just don't love people. See, it's a very human sympathy that is on display here in Stanley, but not necessarily love. We need to know the difference. People like him lack the ability to see that human empathy makes room for dangerously immoral choices. And if you love somebody, you don't do that. While the politician, the activist, the professor, and even the pastor encourage us towards sympathetic answers to today's issue, issues, they neglect that their honest but misplaced emotions distort our thinking and often lead to unjust and immoral outcome, outcomes that hurt others in the long run even more than the issues they wish to solve. Therefore, the real cure for society is and has always been people bold enough to tell the truth, which leaves us asking, why are moral leaders in our nation afraid to do that? All I know is this. For those who care little about the church and religion in the West, let me please tell you, this impacts us all. The truth matters, and it always will in every institution in society. See, if church leaders won't do it, you should view that as a canary in the coal mine. You might not be worried about what's going on in churches in America because you don't attend and don't believe in God, but you should be worried about it. Because if the biggest churches in America are not places where you can hear the truth anymore, then I ask you, what institution can you hear it from? And we'll talk about how we're hearing it in the mainstream media in our stories today. So in our top stories today, we'll look at a lot of today and very little Christianity, but try to provide some Christian responses to some of what's going on. So Pfizer executive Jordan Walker was just caught on camera by Project Veritas and uh, James O'Keefe. Now, for those of you who are not familiar whatsoever at this point in time with Project Veritas, these are the secret, um, you know, hidden video guys that go out there and typically find very beautiful women 
uh, to pretend to be interested and very uh, loserish guys who are willing to spill all and tell all. And in the process of this, we've heard some interesting things about what's going on in school boards and most recently what's going on at Pfizer. So Jordan Walker, who is a Pfizer uh, employee from all accounts, from everything that we can tell, even though there has been some question as to whether or not this guy was just absolutely lying about everything. We'll get to that after you see the video in just a moment. Uh, but needless to say, in this video, you'll see Jordan Walker, supposedly and presumably a Pfizer employee, talking about the mutation of viruses at Pfizer for the protection of us all. So here's that. Pfizer ultimately is thinking about mutating COVID? Well, that is not what we say to the public. The virus keeps mutating? Yeah. Well, one of the things we're exploring is like, why don't we just mutate it ourselves so we can probably develop new vaccines, right? So we have to do that. If we're going to do that, though, that's a risk of like, as you could imagine, no one wants to be having a pharma company mutating fucking viruses. be like very controlled to make sure that this virus that you mutate doesn't create something that, like, you know, goes everywhere. So you're not supposed to be getting function research of the viruses like yeah they recommend not but you do like these like selected threshold mutations to try to see if you make more potent yeah so there there is research i'm going about that i don't know how that's gonna work it's pretty good for the industry to be honest yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's bad for everyone else in america so suffice to say if what we see on this video is legitimate and i'll show you why i think we should take it as legitimate um i i think we need to be very alarmed and have our eyes wide open because we have people in the biggest places and the biggest institutions of our society lying to us and doing so on a regular basis and doing it in ways that are of the utmost importance, especially when it comes to global viruses that were most definitely not created in a lab like Jordan seems to be saying is happening presently at Pfizer. Now, does he work for Pfizer? This has been the big question because he claims in the video that he has uh, he was lying and just doing so to try to impress somebody while he was on a date. Here's him saying that. Hey there, is this seat taken? You work for Pfizer. My question for you is why does Pfizer want to hide from the public the fact that they're mutating the COVID viruses. Is this real life? I'm literally a yeah. liar. What, I was trying to impress reason? a person on a date What's your by position? lying. And this please, is please, absurd. Please don't touch me. Well, this is not. Why the way? Why don't, are you doing Don't this? tell anybody. Who is just working at a company to literally help the public? You up. You really did. So as you see that, um, I just have a question to ask you. Uh, do you think adults are typically more responsive to affirmation or incredibly resistant to correction? And which attitude do you think is on display as we look at this adult man having a meltdown? So here's just a, here's just a tip. If we're going to learn how to discern and try to tell the truth, which is actually the only reason I as a Christian am even concerned uh, in this story in the first place, is how do we know when people are telling us the truth? So here's a little game that, that I play, and maybe it'll be helpful to you. It's a, it's a game called Common Sense. So the game goes like, goes like this in this scenario. Project Veritas could have staged this whole thing. This Jordan guy is just simply, he's not a Pfizer employee. He was staged by James O'Keefe. And all of this is a big lie to get clicks for Project Veritas. Okay, so that's scenario one. Scenario two here is this guy actually is a Pfizer employee, and he was caught red-handed doing what half of the country thinks 
that places like Pfizer are already doing with viruses. So you play that game and you tell me which scenario makes more sense to you. But I will just tell you that it doesn't help when places like Forbes magazine and other news outlets continue to do yeoman's work for, for lies and for liars. Rather than objectively journalizing, they do things like this. Tucker Carlson has claimed on his Fox News show, Tucker Carlson Tonight, that there's been a near total media blackout of this story. But since there doesn't seem to be any type of memo circulating to journalists telling them not to cover this story, let's cover it now and see how much Veritas it really has. So already from the outset, we get from this writer at Forbes magazine contradicting and coming skeptically to this story. Now, objective journalism can sometimes be um, skeptical in nature, except when there is zero evidence to be skeptical and a lot of questions to be asked. So you can see this cynical article is already intended to try to prove that Project Veritas doesn't actually have the goods. Now, what's their case for that? Well, of course, they don't have any actual evidence, but instead they have this. Wow, a Pfizer exec bragging about Frankenstein science. That sounds like a monstrous revelation, doesn't it? But before Carlson's claim makes you sit bolt upright in your chair, keep in mind that this was Carlson who had said this. Yes, this was Tucker Carlson, whom John Oliver has called a super spreader. Well, if John Oliver called him a super spreader, well then how in God's name could we possibly listen to such a guy? I mean, obviously... John Oliver is the trusted source here, and not your lying eyes. But it, trust me, it gets even better. The video appeared to be an undercover video because the footage was rather grainy and filmed at a rather awkward angle. It looked like the type of video taken to prove that someone's significant other is doing more than with the office manager than officing and managing. This video featured someone described by Project Veritas as Jordan Tristan Walker, Pfizer Director of Research and Development, Strategic Operations, and mRNA Scientific Planning, answering questions from an unidentified interviewer. So you could either take Project Veritas's or Carlson's word for it, or search for his name on Google, Bing, DuckDuckGo yourself. After all, someone with that kind of title should be fairly easy to find on the internet, right? Well, a Google search didn't really reveal any legitimate source that could verify the person's name and title. Similarly, a search on LinkedIn doesn't reveal any such verifiable profiles either. Just some accounts trying to spread his name. Some of these accounts are spelling the name slightly differently. All right, so there you go. The only evidence that this writer over at Forbes has is that they couldn't find this person's name at Pfizer. Now, I've never tried to really locate Pfizer employees, and I don't really know how the structure works over there, but I would suggest that just because this person was not easy to find could mean possibly two things, especially based on the reaction of our dear friend Jordan Walker. One, Jordan was scrubbed from the internet shortly after this event because he knows the implications of what he just did could be damning for Pfizer. It could take that big pharma industry right down to the ground. Now, I was reliably informed by Joe Biden that he's not in bed with big pharma and he hates big pharma, in fact, and he is ready to stick up for the man. But why is it that the left-wing media is really, really quick to defend Pfizer rather, to at, rather than to ask questions about the reliability of, uh, of what this guy is claiming? Now, of course, are they going to go to Pfizer and ask? Are they going to go to the CEO over there or try to do their own investigative research? Of course not. Here's what they're going to do. 
they're going to name call Tucker Carlson because that's what responsible journalists do that wear big boy pants. I mean, I'm only being this tongue in cheek for one reason. I remember a time when journalists actually took stories seriously and that their job was not to defend Big Pharma, but their job was to actually investigate Big Pharma. It wasn't so long ago, and it's not that we can't get back to that place. But as long as we sit idly by and just say, well, this doesn't matter. This is just Project Veritas at it again. It's just more white noise. It's more outrage rather than an opportunity, one, for us to learn how to discern when someone is telling us the truth and to try to weigh evidence and to weigh the options that are before us. But also, too, for us to realize that it's time for us to start sourcing information from places other than the mainstream because they are eaten up with the postmodern ideology that so one of two things. One, that you need to be able to think for yourself about different things that you hear and, and you need to be able to weigh evidence effectively. But then the second thing is this, is that you need to also know at this point in time, if you don't already, you cannot trust the mainstream media and you need to source your information as much as you can on your own. Do not take anybody's word for it. Sure, don't take Project Veritas's word for it, but certainly don't take this cynical writer over at Forbes and their word for it just because it comes from Project Veritas or Tucker Carlson, doesn't mean it's a lie. This is something called the Fox News fallacy. Just because the truth comes from somebody that you don't like, all of a sudden you don't believe it. This is a lesson in throwing your brains in the garbage. I see this all the time, by the way, in, in, in things that I do of a more Christian nature. Whenever I'm talking about the Bible or talking about Jesus, people immediately hear religious subjects on on the lips of a commentator like myself, and they will run to the comments section with brains and hands ready to throw into the garbage, and they will immediately attack Christianity um, and immediately attack the Bible as some book that was carried around by shepherds. And it's like, like, what shepherds are you even talking about? Like, it's the most ridiculous nonsense. People are very quick to get emotional and throw their brains in the garbage when they don't actually have a good argument because the vast majority of people don't think for themselves. And by way of reminder, because I get this a lot on the show, thinking for yourself doesn't mean just coming up with the truth on your own. It means sourcing information, because that's the point I'm trying to get at. Make sure that you get as much information as you possibly can, ask as many questions as you possibly can, and then, surprise, you might actually have an informed opinion, unlike most of what we get from the lamestream media. And speaking of which, uh, there was a lot of people that were quick to jump to conclusions about this next story, because I want to talk to you for just a moment about Tyree Nichols. Now, this is a very sensitive subject, so before I jump into it, I want to say a couple of things. One, I'm not going to show the footage. It's disturbing, and I don't like it, and if you want to go find it, you can find it yourself. Um, but I do w want to also make sure, before we go any further, to just say this, that the people who are actually involved in this story, the, the parents of Tyree and, and the family members, they're the real uh, victims at the end of the day, along with Tyree in, in all of this. And I, and I don't want to neglect that fact, that as we, as we jump into this, nothing that I say is intended to uh, turn a blind eye to the real suffering and the difficulty that's going on right now in that family's life. But I do want to say something about these incidents that, that seem to have a generalized narrative or a generalized story that we, that we hear so very often when we hear about these police-involved um, murders and these incidents. And that generalized narrative goes something like this. Before the 
evidence of this story is really released before the color of the people that were involved are released. But you hear just these basic elements that the idea that the police were involved in either shooting a, a person that they had pulled over or whatever the case may be, or in beating to death a person. Um, you can almost always assume a couple of things about this story. First of all, that the person that they are having this altercation with resisted arrest. Uh, secondly, that this person almost assuredly had a prior record. Three, that this person probably did not have a biological father in the home. Four, this person was probably a dropout, didn't finish high school, and most certainly didn't finish college. And probably the fifth thing is this, is that the person was under some kind of influence in the process of resisting arrest. Now, this is a recipe, as it were, a cocktail for making sure that your altercations with the police go absolutely south. And unfortunately, many of these things that you could have presumed about the Tyree Nichols case before it ever happened are true. Now, that does not suggest that what happened here is okay. It does not suggest that Tyree Nichols deserved what he got, because I think anybody who's seen the video can can tell you that this is an absolute shocking tragedy, a travesty of justice, and it's only unfortunate that these police officers um, didn't actually have the kind of accountability that they needed to stop them among the five officers that were there beating down on this one boy. So th that is just simply to say this, that... We continue to see this reoccurring thing on behalf of the person that on the, on the other side of of this incident that that we need to talk about and we need to be honest about. But then, of course, we want to shift our attention to the officers involved because, unlike what you mostly hear from the news media, and this is why this story is destined to die way before it ever gets the light of day. Unfortunately. Unlike most of these stories, these officers were all black. All five of them were black. And the only reason I bring up the colors of the individuals involved is that uh, this is a perfect example for why the BLM narrative was always a lie from the very beginning. Because you and I both know what would happen if these officers would, were white. They would be mostly peaceful, but fiery protests everywhere rather than the peaceful protests that we got. And there would be cries of systemic racism. Uh, Ibram X. Kendi would be producing another book. Al Sharpton would be on every channel. Uh, vomit would be induced all across America as a result of his appearance on these, these channels. And we would hear nonstop for about a month how Racism is one of the biggest issues facing America today. White supremacy must be stopped. And of course, an, and the fact that an elderly uh, octogenarian white man that can barely remember his name and certainly not produce full sentences out of his mouth hole is the cure for racism in America. And of course, we would get Kamala Harris, how daring you to everybody she comes into contact with, while also trying to intersperse the words diversity, equity, and inclusion, misinformation, disinformation, white supremacy, and the other litany of leftist speech that we hear consistently. All I'm saying is that the narrative of BLM in 2020 just went down in flames with one story. That's how flimsy it actually was. The fact that police in America are systemically racist. Now, of course, this, uh, this idea goes down in flames for every rational person except for the people over at CNN who actually said this over the weekend. The police who killed Tyreen Nichols were black, 
but that might still have been driven by racism. So there's just a flat amount of denial over at CNN. I mean, get some help, Van Jones. You desperately need it. And the first step in getting the help that you need is admitting that you need it. So it's clear this had nothing to do with racism, had nothing to do with white supremacy. It had to do with the fact that people are flawed. It's the one thing we don't want to have a conversation about in the midst of all of this, because it might actually lead us to some real solutions, that people desperately need help. Sure, police need accountability. Sure, police need better training. But by the way, defunding the police would probably be the last thing you want to do if all of those things are true, and they are. I just come back to this simple fact that the idea of systemic racism is a intellectually and morally flawed argument that was hoisted upon us in 2020, and I hope we can see past it now. And I'll go ahead and make the controversial statement. Just because Derek Chauvin was white and George Floyd was black does not mean that had anything to do with race either. We were deceived and lied to, and you have to be able to think for yourself in a society where lies flow like water. And that brings us to our final story today, which is the Paul Pelosi story, Nancy Pelosi's husband, who was attacked by supposedly, supposedly a MAGA extremist who is spouting conspiracy theories. And so if you remember this story, there was a man that broke into Paul Pelosi's home, but of course there was no broken glass and no signs of breaking and entering. The guy had a hammer and ended up whacking Paul Pelosi in the head uh, with that hammer. And uh, the body cam footage of the police showing up to the house that day with Paul Pelosi arriving at the door, very calm and in his underwear, um, oddly enough, uh, was just released. And so a lot of people are talking about that now. So I just wanted to give you the opportunity to see it here. So here's that. Hi. Hey guys. How you doing? How are you? What's going on, man? Everything's good. Hi. Hi. Drop the hammer. Um, nope. Hey. Hey, hey, hey. What is going on? Right I'm now, I'll move pretty quick with this story. Just say that I think Paul's actions here have a reasonable excuse, right? Uh, it's reasonable to suggest that Paul, who is in his underwear here, woke up in the middle of the night, had this guy in his house, the dude's got a hammer, and he's and he's disoriented. And he doesn't have time to really put on clothes, and he's trying to do the best he can not to get attacked by this guy. So when the police show up, he's very calm, he's very refrained because he doesn't want this guy to uh, to do to do anything. Now that that's reasonable enough to suggest, right? And I want to do that to be fair because it's also very reasonable to question why he is so calm. Hey, how's it going, guys? Standing there in his under underwear, holding a hammer of a very large man standing directly beside him. I mean, dude standing in somebody else's house with a hammer, and instead of running away from the dude when the police show up, you're just hanging with him like he's your buddy. The reason I suggest all of this is because the truth is so off limits, you can't suggest either one of these scenarios, that there might be a plausible excuse this way, but there's also another plausible, you know, argument over here on this side that, that needs to be entertained. Nonetheless, it hasn't stopped the media from calling out this guy with very little evidence um, for being a white-wing MAGA extremist. Of course, he was sent by Donald Trump. Who else would have done this? 
And, and so the, the media, like CNN, have gone over and above to try to, um, to, try to paint this guy as, as a MAGA extremist by saying that he has a conspiracy theory. And the conspiracy theory is that democracy is under threat. So here's the brain trust over at CNN telling us that uh, it's a conspiracy that democracy is under threat. So you can listen to that. The suspect, David DePap, called a reporter at the TV station KTVW from the San Francisco County Jail with what he called an important message for everyone in America. CNN Capitol Hill reporter Annie Gray are joining us now live with details. Annie, what did he say? Well, Jessica, the man who attacked Nancy Pelosi's husband, Paul Pelosi, is showing no remorse for his actions. He called a San Francisco reporter shortly after footage of the attack came out, where he said he wished he had been more prepared in when he went to Nancy Pelosi's San Francisco home. And in the clip I'm about to show you, he doesn't mention Nancy or Paul Pelosi by name, but shares a conspiracy that he believes a number of individuals are part of that's hurting democracy. Take a listen to this clip. Freedom liberty isn't dying. It's being killed systematically and deliberately. The people killing it have names and addresses. So I got their names and addresses so I could pay them a little visit. I want to apologize to everyone. I messed up. What I did was really bad. I'm so sorry. I didn't get more of them. All right, so far be it from me to defend this uh, doofus over here smacking Paul Pelosi in his undies, but is it really a conspiracy theory that democracy is under threat? I mean, isn't it kind of always under threat? I mean, the Washington Post thinks democracy dies in darkness. It, darkness. It's so under threat that they have to continue to publish lies on the regular. Um, so if democracy is under threat, by the way, um, it, it comes from the mainstream media rather than actually from this hammer-wielding weirdo because ultimately, at the end of the day, the, what this story really tells us is how quick the left is to politicize everything and how quick they are to abandon all of their calls for justice when it fits their narrative. This is a homeless man who is clearly either a drug addict or mentally insane, like the vast majority of people who are homeless and on the street, just like this guy. But now they want justice from, for Paul Pelosi, and they want the full weight of the law to fall upon this man, but, that, but they just removed loitering laws in San Francisco and in the rest of California so that sex trafficking could take place and so that homeless people could hang out on the street. So, so they want justice for this man who attacked Paul Pelosi, but they don't actually really want justice and the well-being of people who are out on the street being driven insane by drug use or based upon the fact that they're out on the street, whether they were insane before they got there or not. These kind of things that happen at Paul Pelosi's house happens because people in leftist cities and states aren't actually willing to fix the issues that are going on in their city and state. Perhaps it's because they desperately need to be needed. As long as there are homeless people that can't take care of themselves, the government can step in and they will always have a constituency among this group of people. Perhaps that's why the left loves welfare so much. It becomes a voter block for them where the government can replace the father in most of these homes. The point is, is that it's funny to me how quickly the left abandons their sympathy and their calls for justice for the disenfranchised and the marginalized and those who have no other choice but to steal bread 
from, from stores so that they can feed their families, how those calls for justice are suspended the moment, um, the moment it doesn't fit their narrative and there's another story that they can tell and, uh, and they can put their enemies in, in the crosshairs. And so the whole point of this story and all of our stories today is just simply this, in a world where the truth is the biggest threat to the vast majority of those who are in power, how do we know what the truth is? And what can we do to tell the truth? I can tell you at least this much. One, think for yourself, which doesn't mean do all of your own thinking. It just simply means get as much information as you possibly can from as multiple sources as you possibly can. And perhaps it also means this, value the truth, treasure the truth, hold it close to you. And don't be so resistant to ideas because they don't fit your exact narrative. Don't be like the mainstream media. Kick those guys out of your house, by the way. If you haven't done that already, maybe that's the end result of all of this. Don't, don't have Stockholm Syndrome and continue to invite your abuser back into your home. Make sure they're far gone from any information giving that they could possibly give to you and to others around you. And start going to other places, perhaps like Indie Thinker with Reed Huberman. So with that being said, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And most importantly, go with God.